<clears throat> Sorry, just in case this is bothering anybody. I was trying to try to get it. If I can't get it, there it is. Now you can't see it. I don't know if that bothers people. Visually, I know some people notice things that other people don't notice. And I don't really want you to be distracted. So there you go. Let's pray as we, uh, as we spend a little bit of time together now uh, opening up God's Word. Jesus, would you teach us what you want us to see, uh, what you want us to know, what you want us to hear? Holy Spirit, would you illuminate uh, the Scripture? Would you bring alive uh, the, the Word of God that we may hear um, life, that we may be led uh, to the places that you want us to be led, that we may be strengthened where we are feeling weak, that we may be challenged, God, where you need to um, do a little bit of, uh, of work. May you encourage us May you speak truth to us. And God, I pray once again that I uh, am not a stumbling block, that I do not get in the way, but God, that somehow you would use uh, the words that, that you and I have hopefully partnered in, in bringing about, uh, that you would use my life, that you would use uh, what comes out of this time together to bless us and to show us Jesus. So in his name we pray. Amen. So last week, I believe it was, um, the uh, chaplain for the Humboldt Broncos uh, spoke at a vigil for the team. And one of the things that I was impressed on as I was reading through uh, one of the documents that sort of uh, was written by our, our news uh, agencies as to uh, what it is that he said. One of the things that, that stuck with me was that he gave voice to, I think, a question that we so often ask when we see uh, tragedy and difficulty. And that question was, where was God? That within this, as he, as he came across the incident, uh, the bus crash, as he came across all of what uh, took place and as he then walked with uh, the different people and he himself struggled as well, he had asked the question, uh, where was God within this? His answer to that was that God is on the throne uh, and that God is with the brokenhearted. Beautiful answers to the question. And I think that this is a question that we ask so often, again, in the face of difficulty and in the face of tragedy. And a couple of weeks back, maybe even a couple of months ago, we had uh, planned that this is what we were going to talk about in the, in the, month, or in the month following uh, Easter, um, is that we were going to look at uh, this question, where is God? This is something that we wanted to explore a little bit deeper, that we wanted to sort of ask the question within, within different experiences that we have, within, uh, let's say, an uncertain future, within our pain, within uh, conflict, uh, and within silence, where is God? Within these things that we so often come across uh, in our human lives, 
where is it that God is? Because we know that God is present. We know that God is good. We know that God is with us. Uh, but where is he? We can so often ask the question, why did these things happen? Or why am I going through this? And some wise people have said that the better question to ask would be, where? Where is God? Not why, God, have you done this? But where are you within this? What are you doing? How are you with me? And so one of the things that we will do uh, throughout, throughout our times as we look at these questions of where is God is that we will be using uh, a biblical story to examine where God is in uh, these times of uncertainty, pain, conflict, and silence. And so today we wanted to start with uh, the question of where is God within our uncertainty? Where is God within times of uncertainty? That we all experience uh, events in our lives. Some of them are uh, incredibly joyful events like graduation uh, or weddings or, or, or even children graduating and going on uh, further with life. But that for many of us, even within these joyful occasions, we have uncertainty. That we don't know necessarily what it is that the future holds and there can be a certain level of uh, fear that can go along with that. Other times we face much more difficult events like a troubled pregnancy or a bleak diagnosis or a strained relationship, the loss of loved ones, and we ask ourselves, well, where is God within the future that is before me that I don't know what it's going to look like? We all come across these times of uncertainty that again can fill us with fear, uh, unsteadiness, confusion, and doubt. We face economic realities. You know, within our community, within communities like our community, over the last number of years, there has been a whole lot of questions. There's been a lot of questions surrounding uh, the price of oil in the economy of Canada and what it is then that the future holds for communities like ours. There's questions surrounding the, the price of coal and what it is that the future of coal holds. Uh, and, and what does that then mean for a community like ours? That we have what you could say would be uncertain times potentially ahead of us because we don't know what the economy will look like. And as much as we want to say that this has to happen and this has to happen, so much of that is out of our control. And so within these times, it's perfectly natural, I think, for us to feel confused and a little bit fearful and wondering what it is that the future would hold for us and for us to ask the question, okay, well, within Estevan and within the, econ the economic realities and troubles that we're facing, God, where are you? Where are you in this? We could ask within, within uh, those of us who are concerned about uh, the future of Christianity or the future of the Big C Church, uh, within our country, within the world, uh, within North America maybe specifically, as there are places where Christianity is thriving, but here does not seem to be that place. We can all ask these questions to say, well, what does the future hold? And we don't know, and because of that, and because of our concerns and our fears, um, we can maybe wonder within this, well, where are you, God? As we look around to the state of our world and we see uh, global conflict or we see catastrophe we can begin to wonder, well, God, where are you? Our future seems so uncertain. We wonder what kind of world will be there for our kids or for our grandkids. Uh, and we can ask the question, well, God, where are you?
it sort of feels like sometimes that the ground beneath our feet uh, is quite shaky. And that when we face these, either they be moments of transition or even times of transition or difficulty, it can be very destabilizing for us. Uh, and we don't necessarily know how it is that we're able to continue to stand or what it is that we're able to do. And we wonder where God wants us to go or we wonder what God could possibly be up to and specifically, God, where are you within these times that we're facing? I think that if you would turn to Joshua chapter 3, um, we're going to take a look at this to sort of help us to answer the question as we face uncertainties within our life, whether they be on a small scale or whether they be on a very large and, and uh, seemingly or completely uncontrollable scale, uh, we're going to look to this passage to begin answering for us uh, the question of where is God within times of uncertainty. So Joshua chapter 3, if you'd turn there, uh, follow along. You can get there on your phone if you've got your app there. There's Bibles in the pew uh, just in front of you. You can grab and get there. I often find that, that following along in the passage can be incredibly helpful uh, as, we, as we look through and read. So in Joshua chapter 3, just to give you a bit of context, because this is one book within the larger story of the Bible, Joshua is uh, the current leader of the Israelites, and the Israelites, the people of God, the people of Israel, have come out of Egypt a number of books earlier, but they've been stuck in the desert wandering around for 40 years under the leadership of Moses. Just as the book of Joshua is starting, or just as the, the, the previous book, the book of Deuteronomy, is ending, um, Moses has passed away, and the generation of uh, Israelites who have come out of Egypt and then came to the promised land, which is where God was taking them and saying, I'm taking you out of slavery, brought them to Mount Sinai where he gave them the commandments and how it is that they were to live with him, sort of a continuation of the covenant that he had started with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And then he says, I'm going to take you into the promised land. And as this generation of Israelites go to the promised land, they see what is there, the dangers that are there, uh, the, the uncertainty, I think, that they would face, and they say, ah, oh, we don't want to do that. Let's go back to Egypt, or let's just be in the desert. This desert seems okay. Let's just stay here. I don't think they actually said that, but that's sort of what their attitude was. The risks of the promised land uh, seemed too great for them, as it was filled with uh, other people at the time that they considered enemies. And so God said to them, uh, okay, then you won't see the promised land. And they were in the desert then, the wilderness, it says, for 40 years. After that generation of people had passed away, that they were no longer there, uh, and Moses himself even, who had led them out of Egypt and as they were in the wilderness, had passed away, um, this new generation under the leadership of Joshua was now once again ready uh, to be given the chance to go into the promised land. And so God leads them uh, to the Jordan River where they have to cross to get to the promised land. And that's where we pick up the story. <clears throat> so in chapter 3 of Joshua, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests, 
uh, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. The Ark, right, is the place where in this time God was said to dwell and that they took that into battle and they took that with them as they moved. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer because it was quite dangerous, actually, for anybody but the Levites uh, to touch the ark. They were the priests who had that ability. Uh, Others were not able to, mainly due in this instance probably to the holiness and the power of God. So then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. They've crossed a body of water before. But that was a generation that is not this generation. And when they had come to that body of water, it was Moses through the power of God who had parted his hands and the water parted and then all of Israel was able to cross the Red Sea, right? As they were leaving Egypt and they were being chased. In this instance, uh, to then get out of the wilderness, they have to cross another body of river and God is saying, okay, The Levites with the ark will go first and you need to tell them, Joshua, to step into the river and then stop there. So this is what Joshua told the Israelites that they were to do. It says the priests will carry in verse 13 the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So, The people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho into Uh, the promised land. Here's a couple of interesting things. Did you catch that this was sort of the the, the flood season? Did you see that in the story? That the water was overflowing the river? Uh, Are rivers slow in the flood season? Probably pretty fast. (laughs) As they're overflowing, they're filled with water. Chances are that the current is moving uh, incredibly quickly. And what's the commandment to the Levites at this time as they're carrying the ark? It's not come up to the shore, it's step into the water. Joshua says as soon as their feet touch the water, then it'll stop. But God had said earlier, walk in a few steps. So regardless of what they did, this is their commandment, is to actually step into the river. Others have told me, uh, that the, the way that this river would be is that those first few steps would be close to um, uh, suicide if the water kept going. That it wasn't sort of a gradual 
um, you just sort of take a couple of steps and it's nice and easy and then all of a sudden everything parts and you just sort of walk casually down but that the Jordan River was quite steep. And that for these individuals to then step into the river, if that water did not stop, uh, it would mean death for them. And so this was a call of God to say, you need to trust me in this extreme case. The earlier generation that had come out of the promised land and was given an opportunity, the spies were sent in and they came back and they said, ah, oh, this is too dangerous. They didn't take the opportunity and God needed to make sure perhaps that with this group that they were ready to take and trust him in extreme situations. And that when you touch the water, when you step in, you will either die or I will deliver you. And that's what happened. The whole nation crossed because the Levites obeyed God and stepped in into uh, what for them was an uncertain future. And then they crossed the river into the promised land, which for all of the people of Israel was walking into uh, an uncertain future. But they knew the promises of God and they knew the character of God and they knew what it is that God was telling them and so they went. So where is God in the midst of uncertainty? I think he's in the middle of it. And often, if we would look at this story, he is calling us into it. This generation of Israelites knew that there was nowhere better to go. They didn't know Egypt. They didn't have any memories of what life was like in Egypt where they had all of their meals given to them at least. Yeah, they were slaves, but um, there was some comfort there because when the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, even before they came to the mountain, when they were in the desert for a week or two, they're like, oh, we really miss Egypt. <laughs> it was so much better for us there. But this generation coming up, they don't remember that. All they've known is the wilderness. All they've known is the desert. And they know that they can't turn back. That they have to go forward. And that's where God is. He's in the midst of the chaos. He's in the midst of the uncertainty. And he's saying, come in. And as they then come in, he is delivering them and he will then walk them through. Uh, and as you see within the rest of Joshua, God walks with them uh, as they figure out what life is like in the promised land. So where is God in the midst of uncertainty? He is within. He's beckoning us to come to him and he's calling us in, telling us that he will lead us through. And I truly believe that as we step into our uncertain future, we will encounter God. We will encounter God. How do you step into an uncertain future, though? <laughs> How do you overcome the fear? How do you overcome the concern of the chaos? How do you overcome the desire to just turn back when what you've known before seems to be so much better than, than the unknown that stands before you? How do you move into uh, uncertainty where it is that you will encounter God? And I think from this story, I can give us uh, a couple of words of, of wisdom that, that we can follow. And I think the first thing that we do is that we need to listen. That we need to listen for God. That Joshua heard God say, this is what you are to do. This is where you are to go, and this is how you are to go there. 
that Joshua was willing to listen to God, that Joshua was willing to obey God in his direction. He was willing to listen to him for encouragement. He was willing to listen to him for strength, and he was willing to trust him for hope that what was before them was not death, but it was actually life and it was goodness. That we need to listen. We need to listen to God. We need to listen through prayer. We need to listen to the Spirit of God as He leads us. And we also need to listen to the Word of God. That, that Psalm 119, uh, verses 119 is all about the Word of God. Scripture and how it is that Scripture is trustworthy. And, and verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. That as we listen for God, as we read Scripture, as we listen for His promptings of the Holy Spirit, we are able then to know what it is that we are to do. And we are able, I think, with faith and with hope to walk into uncertain times. Because we've received from Him direction. We've received from Him guidance. We've received from Him strength. So often I think that we are, and I know this of myself, so much more likely to go running into something and then say, oh God, save me, (laughs) than we are to say, oh God, what do you want me to do? And wait on the Lord until he clearly says, this is what you're to do. Because I think, I can speak for myself, I can be a very impatient person. And when I want direction and when I want something to happen, I want it yesterday. (laughs) And God must want it that soon too. But sometimes within the waiting, God needs to make sure uh, that we are seriously looking to him. And so we need to listen. To step into uncertain times where God is waiting for us, we need to listen for God. I think one of the other things that we see in this passage is that we need to uh, look. One of the things that that God told the Israelites was that you are to watch the Levites. You don't know where you're going, but they do. Interestingly, how did they know where they're going? They haven't been there before. (laughs) Unless they were, like, from the earlier generation that had actually stuck around. I just thought of that now. Maybe I should have gone back to look at that. You can do that on your own time and figure out if that's what's going on. Maybe the Levites survived. They were the generation that were allowed because of the priesthood. Anyway, but they, regardless if they knew it or not, they knew it because they were being led by God. They had listened, therefore they knew where to go. But everybody else was told to look. They were told to watch the Levites, to then follow them as they went because they were the ones who knew where to go. So one of the things I think we need to do when we are wondering how to step into a future of uncertainty is that we need to be looking for others who have potentially walked the path before us. We need to look for examples of others who have faced maybe what it is that we've faced. Maybe there's other countries that have gone through what we're going through. Maybe there's other churches who have gone through what we're going through. Maybe there's other families that have experienced the things that we're currently experiencing, communities that have faced economic downturns and and these kind of realities before, that we would look and say, what have you done? How have you walked into uncertainty? It's not weakness to say when you come across something that you have no idea about to say, I have no idea about this. That's wisdom. (laughs) And so we need to look for others. We can look through the Bible to see different experiences that people have had in their different cultures and communities as well. We need to look to see uh, those who have walked the path that we are going to find wisdom, to seek guidance, 
and to see if there is a, a clear way through that that would coincide with what it is that we have heard from God as we have listened. So we need to listen. We need to look. And then lastly, we need to move. We actually need to move. And some of us may have the other problem of not just rushing into something, but some of us may have the problem of just waiting and waiting and waiting and fatalistically just expecting that everything will change for us. Or that that uncertainty will all of a sudden become much clearer or there'll be a path that's given to us to just kind of retreat back to what it is that we're hoping we can go to. But within this story, the Israelites needed to move. And specifically to the Levites, they needed to take that one step in or a couple of steps in. But that was their focus. Their focus was their, was their initial steps. Once you've heard what it is that you're to do, once you've seen and looked to see where it is that you would need to be going, found some wisdom from some others as well that would pair along with the things that you've listened, you actually need to take your next step forward. Sometimes we can become paralyzed because we're waiting for the entire picture before us to be laid out. We're waiting for the entire path to be made clear to us when all that God is going to do, for whatever reason, is to just light up the couple of steps in front of us and say, move. And when you step on that piece of the river, uh, the next step will become much clearer. But we wait, because that is risky. We don't know what's going to be on that. We don't know what's going to be beyond that step, and we don't know if we should step this way, because will we be able to retreat if that's been the mistake? We're so concerned about making mistakes when it comes to following God. We need to be willing to move. Look, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? Like, look at, uh, look at the flowers of the field. They have everything that they need. Your Father clothes them uh, in splendor. Look at the birds of the sky. God gives them everything that they need, yet you worry about everything, all your food, all your clothing, all your shelter. And Jesus says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And he ends off by saying this, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. That there is this principle that you can find, and, and, and don't hear me say that advanced planning and future planning is um, foolish and silly, but do hear me say that sometimes God does not reveal all of that stuff to us and only shows us where it is that we're to step today, what it is that we're to do today. It's so interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer is, provide for me, give me my daily bread. It's not weekly, but it's daily. It's not monthly, but it is daily. That when the Israelites were in the desert, that God provided them food for one day. 
that they were to gather up all they were to need for the day as bread, manna kind of formed on the ground. They were to take that for their one day. And if they took more than they needed for that day, if they saved it to the next, which we would naturally do because, well, what if it doesn't come tomorrow? The stuff that we had collected, the stuff that they had collected would go rotten and they were told to expect that God would be daily delivering what it is that they needed. That sometimes we don't move, sometimes we don't take our next step because we are so concerned about the steps beyond that. Yet God has made it clear what we're to do in that one step. And so we need to move. We need to take the step into uh, uncertainty regardless of the uncertainty that's beyond that. As I was looking at this story and trying to think about God and uncertainty, um, sort of a, um, a similar passage came to mind from the life of Jesus. And now we have to understand, right, that Jesus was, was fully divine. He was fully God. But at the same time, Jesus was also fully human. And there were things that were revealed to Jesus. There were things that he knew. And very often it seemed like he knew um, a lot about what was going on uh, in other people's hearts. God would reveal that stuff to him uh, in places that he needed to go. But we don't know fully uh, if he had, the, you know, the whole picture kind of laid out for him. And as I was thinking of the Israelites in the desert and then wandering into the promised land and, and following God into uncertain times... The, the story that came to mind was from Luke chapter 4 when after Jesus had been baptized, he, led by the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness. And it says in Luke chapter 4, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, <laughs> the river that these Israelites had crossed to get to the promised land. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And it's in that time then that the devil came to him and tempted him with three different things to say, well, turn these stones to bread. Hey, I can give you all these kingdoms if you would bow down and worship me. Or throw yourself off of this building and God will send his angels to save you. And Jesus countered each of these things with scripture that he countered this temptation. And I had the question for myself, like, did Jesus intentionally go into the wilderness knowing everything that he was going to face? Did he know that he was going to be there for 40 days? Did he would know that there would be no water, that there would be no food, that there would be none of this stuff, and that he would be experiencing this deep temptation from the devil, that that is who he would encounter there? Or did he feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness? And then to face whatever he faced when he got there, for however long he was to be there. Did Jesus see the whole path in that instance, or did he take uh, the step that God had shown him? And into the desert he goes, into the wilderness he goes, into uncertainty to face, like very real temptation. And this is stuff that we have to assume that because Jesus was fully human, was still a struggle for him, even though he was victorious over this. This was not an easy situation for him. And so after Jesus resists the devil 
It says the devil, the devil had finished tempting Jesus. He left him until the next opportunity came. And in other stories, you then have angels coming and ministering to Jesus and feeding him and providing for him and having, I think, for Jesus, this deep encounter, um, obviously, in the, in the wilderness with, with God. So deep that in chapter 5 of Luke, in verse 16, it says that after Jesus is facing uh, different, different crowds of people and different opposition from people, it says that, that Jesus, the report of Jesus' power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. It speaks of this incredible power of Jesus' ministry. But then it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. The very place that he had been for 40 days and faced hunger and temptation, this land of uncertainty to him became a land of security and comfort and a place where he could encounter God, even in the future, that he would go and that he would be able to experience prayer and blessing from God in this place. And can I encourage you with that? That the land of uncertainty that stands before us can often become a land of incredible blessing that God wants to meet us at and even a place that God can continue to meet us at as we look back at maybe how difficult those times were. We can go back to that, whether it be a physical place, whether it be a memory, whatever it may be, whether it be just the new situation that we're in, whether it's a new job or a new perspective or whatever, that we can meet God in that place and that we can have a deep uh, communion with him and deep blessing uh, in a place that's no longer uncertain because God has made it clear that God has met us there and God has walked us through. So may we be a people when we face uncertainty who would listen, look, and move, stepping boldly our next step into uncertainty, trusting that we will encounter God, hopeful that he will meet us uh, and that he will lead us through. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are faithful. And I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here, God, that as they face whatever uncertainty that is before them, that you would strengthen them that you would show them where you are, that you would call them, that you would beckon to them, that you would say, here I am, come to me, step onto the water, I can calm the storm, I will be with you to enable you to walk over this, that this chaos will not be something that takes you down. And it's in this that I will meet you. God, would you help us to see the opportunity that can stand before us in uncertainty? Would the love of Jesus cast out the fear that exists within us? Would the knowledge of the light of Jesus chase away any darkness and confusion? And God, help the ground beneath us as we step out to be solid, not because our circumstances uh, make complete sense to us, but because you are there because you are with us and you make our steps 
solid and firm. You are our firm foundation. So God, as we step out, help us to trust you. Help us to experience you. Help us to meet you uh, in ways that maybe we wouldn't have, God, if we hadn't stepped into uncertain times. We thank you for your love and your care. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.